Well, I don't know exactly what it was that woke me up in my truck that night on our way to Mammoth in the middle of the night in our college days, wanting to get a jump start on that trip. But I remember being in the passenger seat of my truck, which is out in the parking lot, not the biggest place to sleep. And I remember laying over on my side and grabbed the ski jackets and it kind of made my pillow. My buddy Jimmer is driving and we're on a mission to get to Mammoth to enjoy our ski trip for the weekend with the rest of our college students in our church. And as I said, I don't remember what woke me up, but I do remember being on my side and as I awoke, I remember looking at the stick shift, the dashboard, and, and in essence, the radio kind of illuminated, and that's all I could see. And then I kind of look, as I'm on my side, kind of looking at my buddy Jimmer, and I see something I didn't expect to see. His hands are at 10 and 2, like he's very intent on driving properly. His body is leaning forward. His chin basically is right at the edge of the steering wheel, and his eyes are squinted. His neck is kind of protruding out, and he's looking intently like this. And, and as I'm lying on my side, I'm like, Jimmer, what are you doing? Why are you driving like that? And I'll never forget what he says to me. He kind of giggles, looks down at me, and goes, because I can't see. And I thought, what do you mean you can't see? As I rise up and back upright in my seat of my truck and look out the windshield, it's one of those moments where you go, because oh, now you see what, well, he is seeing, which is basically nothing. We're on Interstate 15 going through the Cajon Pass. If you've ever been through there in the wintertime, a fog bank can sit right down in there. So we're only to see maybe 20 feet, 30 feet in front of us as we're going through here. And so I'm waking up from a nap because we're teaming it to get there in the middle of the night. And for the next 20 minutes, half hour or so, we just slowly drive our way through all that. And I'll never forget finally coming out of there into the high desert. And once you get up into there, 15, and you see 395, and you get off there, and you're heading on up to Mammoth. Here's all the starry sky again, black, no moon. So the stars are out everywhere. And I thought, how was that back there? And this is up here. And how we were driving and seeing all that. And as I thought about that, it, it, it's interesting for me as I think about that story. Because we're in the final chapter of Luke and our series, Knowing the Truth, about Jesus as we encounter a story found only in Luke's gospel that reminds me of that trip I had with my buddy Jimmer. Let me put it to you this way. I'm traveling with a close friend of mine. We're enjoying and talking about life as we go along the way, sleeping some here and there. We can't see at all what's in front of us and what's going on. But eventually we get there we arrive at our destination, Harry Larson's cabin, an elderly gentleman that had a cabin that we could use. And I remember all the food we had and the great time of that and skiing and all that. And then returning home, and here I am all these decades later, still telling stories about that trip. And if you were with us on Easter Sunday last year when Pastor Mike spoke, you know about the story that comes before the story we're going to look at today. You might have heard of that story a lot, especially on Easter. It's the story of all stories. It's the story of stories in the entire Bible. Maybe you've heard of it. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Have you heard of that story? 
Are you tracking with me on that story? We all know that story, right? Well, the story we're going to look at today comes right after that story. And so if you've got a Bible, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 and 35, where we find this story of these guys on this journey. In your Bible, it probably says, on the road to Emmaus. And so we pick up their story in verse 13 of Luke 24. Hope you have a Bible. There's one available for you in front of you underneath the seat if you want to open it up. Let's catch this story. Let's see what's going on here. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing or seeing him as he was. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stopped, stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do you not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. (laughs) About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful indeed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we... He talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on their way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Father, we thank you for putting stories like this in your word that we could read, Lord, that can put us there and how Luke wrote this, how you inspired him to write this. And so, Lord, as we take into this story today, as we begin the new year, I pray, God, that you would illuminate, help us to catch what's going on here. Help us to take some keys away between Cleopas and his friend that we can maybe apply to our lives that parallel the journey that maybe we are on, that you want us to be on. 
in 2019. So God, guide and direct our time together, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So you're catching this, the story? Two close friends on a journey, going somewhere, having a discussion, talking about life and whatnot. And as they're going, they cannot see what's in front of them. They cannot recognize what's out there in front of them. And then they eventually do get to their destination. They have a great meal and fellowship together. And then at the end, they come back and tell others about the journey that they were on so everybody could know about that. Maybe you're starting to picture the story that I had in my life and the story here, the connection for me at least, because there's a lot to catch in this story and we're gonna look at it together and then we're gonna explore how we can apply the story to our own lives wherever we find ourselves at about 153 to 155 hours into 2019. I don't know if you know there's 168 hours in a week. We have yet to get to a week. We're close. But we're talking hours right now into this year of 2019, and here we are. Speaking of certain days, did you catch that this story took place on Resurrection Sunday? Look back in your Bible in verse 13, Luke writes that same day. Verse uh, 21 says, it is the third day, and verse 22 says, early this morning. In other words, Luke is, I think, trying to say, have no doubt when this took place. The previous story of the resurrection in the first 12 verses, now we go to the next story. It's the same day. This is hours later, if you will, that this journey this, uh, to Emmaus takes place. Did you catch that it was two of them? You, you, you probably did. Two of them, not the remaining 11 disciples, because at the end of the passage we read, it says that they go back to meet with them. So who are these two individuals, Cleopas and their friend? We're not exactly sure. It's not else said in Scripture about Cleopas, and certainly not the friend. But most likely, these two are individuals that were amongst the followers that were with Jesus, amongst that crowd, that group that continued to follow him. So maybe they've been with him for a year. Maybe they've been with him for three years. We don't quite know when they came to trust Jesus, but they've been following him. They've heard a lot of his stories. They've seen a lot of his work. They've seen his deeds. They've seen how he's powerful. They've watched miracles happen. That's who these two are. Some people in in scholarship wonder if it isn't Cleopas' wife that's with him. We don't really know. It doesn't matter But they've been with Jesus. They know who he is. They've heard what he said is going to happen, mind you. Did you catch who they were talking about? What the subject of their discussion was? In case you missed it, look back at verse 19. Jesus had asked him, what are you talking about? (laughs) At verse 19, about Jesus of Nazareth. Topic number one, the only topic there is, the only discussion there is to have. It's about Jesus. Did you catch also in verse 15? Look back there in your Bible. It says, they, Cleopas and his friend, talked and discussed these things. In other words, all that had happened during the Passover week. That's the setting here. Passover has happened. We've had uh, Palm Sunday, remembrance of what God had done. And then we've gone through that week. And we had the day of Friday where Christ is crucified. Here it is, Sunday. 
So we're discussing all that's been happening. All the people, of course, had gathered around to come into this time of celebration of the Passover time. So they're talking, they're discussing. But understand something we may not catch here in the English language or whatever translation you're using. When you look at verse 15, it says the word talked. If you translate that out from the Greek, it just simply means that they're having a conversation. Like you and I might have a conversation over In-N-Out Burger, okay? Just at the table. We're having a conversation. And when you looked at the word discuss, you would just think, well, that's just ongoing on that conversation. I want to submit to you that the original language isn't, there's something more going on here. The word discussed there could be translated to examine in detail, to search for answers. It could go in so far as you could put the word debate. So they're having a discussion as they walk along, but it's not just any discussion. They're looking for answers. They're searching. They're discussing details. They're debating amongst themselves. No, I I thought the prophecy was this. No, I think it's supposed to be that. That rabbi said this and so on and so forth. So there's a tension going on here. There's an uneasiness. There's this debate, if you will. They're trying to make sense of what's happened to Jesus. He's dead and now he can't be found. They're trying to grasp this. They're uncertain now about the truth of all that Jesus had said. Certain or uncertain if he's alive. I don't know if you caught the emotions and the swing of emotions that they've had in this story, but look at the sorrow they feel in verse 17. When Jesus asked them what they're discussing, they stop. And it says their faces were downcast. They're at the emotional bottom going into depression of all that's happening. I mean, this is what we've been following and this is what it comes to? And then, if you will, the roller coaster of emotions begins to, to take off. And, and if you look here at verse 32... They've already now recognized it was Jesus. He's left them. But look at what it says. This is a description for how they were feeling. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So they went from a depressing moment as they're in their journey to this moment of going, that's why I was feeling that. I was wrestling with what I was feeling. And then He goes to this pinnacle here of verse 34 when they get back into Jerusalem. Look at what it says and how they say this. It is true. The Greek there is emphatic. The Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. These guys are excited. It reminds me of like some super fan that the camera pans to on Super Bowl Sunday. You're like, man, that guy's outfit is insane. He is into his team and his game. That's this emotion that they've been through. Did you also catch the Judeo traditions, Judeo teachings, the Judeo culture that they were embracing and upholding? First, it was tradition of Passover. If you look at verse 18, one of the named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? Do you not know what this country is about, what our nation's about, what we've done for a long, 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 long time every week this year? It's Passover. It's our traditions. We've had Palm Sunday. We just had, in effect, a Good Friday. 
Second is the teaching about the Messiah. Look back at verse 21. And we had hoped that he, Jesus, was the one who was going to redeem Israel. But it's the third day, and we don't know what's going on. In other words, they had been taught about this, that he was going to be this deliverer of Israel. Maybe they had gone to church and heard all about this coming Messiah, that everything's going to be all great. Everything's going to work out well. That maybe there's not going to be any, well, wait, where does it say? Verse 26, did not the Christ have to suffer these things? In other words, that they kind of pushed that aside and maybe the teaching that they heard Almost like a prosperity gospel that goes on sometimes in our day that, oh, all is going to be good. Everything's going to be good. God wants you to be wealthy and everything's going to be fine. Maybe they had had that teaching. You look at the joy uh, or, or rather the third, the, 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 the cultural view of women that they had and how they're embracing that culture. Verses 22 to 24. They said, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the terminal this morning, but they didn't find us by and they came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. The culture going there is like, well, women are great, but you can't trust their testimony. That's the culture of the day. They're simply upholding Judeo culture, traditions, and teachings. I wonder if you caught the humor that's also in this passage that Luke authors on his account. Look at the exchange uh, between Jesus and Cleopas in 18 and 19. Jesus is asked him, what are you talking about? And then verse 18, Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? Can you imagine asking Jesus this question? <laughs> like, do you not know what's going on, Jesus? They don't know that it's him. And then he asks, Jesus asks, what things are you talking about? What, what things went on? Everybody who's reading this knows what's going on. They know it's Jesus, right? Jesus knows it's Jesus. Jesus knows it all about what's going on. And you do and I do. But it seems humorous to me that the people that should know the most are the two guys that are right there with him. And they're clueless that it's him. And finally, did you catch the rebuke that Jesus gives Cleopas and his friend in verse 25? How foolish you are. The word foolish in the Greek, you could actually translate the word stupid if you wanted to. How slow of heart to believe. You could translate that out. Delayed faith. It's like, is it going to get off the ground? Is it going somewhere? There's a lot we can catch in this story. Like I said, it's a couple guys on a journey, going somewhere. They can't see what's in front of them. And the person who is in front of them is rather important in our story, is it not? They eventually get there, they have a meal, and they go back and tell stories about what had unfolded. But did you notice that their story almost didn't have a happy ending? They're walking along the beginning of this journey, thinking all hope is lost. Remember what they said? We had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. When Jesus asked them, what are you discussing? It's a matter of stopping and their faces downcast, boarding on depression. You might be going through the first week, hours into 2019, and all seems to be thumbs up. 
But we don't know what's going to unfold and how we're going to look back on life December 31st, 2019. You see, between now and then, there's something that could happen to us. And it was happening to them. Jesus tells us what can happen. I'll put it up on the screen for you. This is John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Did you catch that Satan was trying to steal their joy? Did you catch that he was trying to kill any hope that they had they would see Jesus alive? Did you catch that he was trying to destroy their faith? that God was worthy to be trusted and followed. Satan was winning at this point. So here we are a few days into the year. I just want to ask you, who's winning so far? Have you gotten to that point just already one week into the year? Or maybe coming out of the past year? And it seems as though someone's trying to steal any joy that you might have as you look ahead to 2019. To kill off any hope, maybe some dreams and desires that you have for 2019. Maybe to, at some point, destroy an amount of faith and trust that you would have, maybe in your prayer life, to go to God again. Because you've been going to him for so long. See, we have an enemy that wants to swoop in. And our moments when it could have been so great. Jesus is resurrected. He's alive. And yet here they are, off in a whole other world, different perspective and different understanding at this point, assuming all that Jesus had told them isn't really going to happen, which is why they get that rebuke. So as you begin the new year, I want to remind you of something that you might almost laugh and go, why did you say that? But let me say what it is I want to say, just to you, in in case you momentarily forgot. Christ is risen. Did you remember that? Are you like me going into another year? Well, it's another year. Yeah, Christ is risen. We'll celebrate Easter. That's just normal. We're used to that. I don't know about you, but I do not want Satan going in on my heart and my thinking going, oh, he rose, but so what? Just get on with life. Walking along, not seeing what he's really trying to do. I don't know if you've been there, but there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a struggle that can happen there. And Jesus is saying the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we've got a challenge as we go into this year. Because Christ is ruling, Christ is reigning, Christ is alive, Christ loves sinners, he saves sinners, reminded of that today. He's come that you may have life and have it abundantly in 2019. So let me put it to you this way, since or therefore Christ is risen and alive You can live abundantly in 2019 if you remain open to him. If you're willing to remain open to him. What do I mean? How can you do this? How can you remain open to Jesus and live abundantly in 2019? 
And you might be hearing that and kind of go, well, it's another year. Do you know how old I am? <laughs> I'm at this stage of life, or I have this, or I have that. I'm not really, th- I'm just trying to get through today. I'm not really trying to think about abundantly living, but I want to tell you that God came, and he's telling you that there's someone who's going to try and steal the abundant life. No matter how young or how old you are, no matter what circumstances you're in or not in, Jesus didn't come for 2019 for you to just coast through life. He wants you to live it abundantly no matter where you are and what you're doing. I want to encourage you with this, and I want to offer some four four keys that I see that Cleopas and his friend can offer us that we can live abundantly in 2019 if we're willing to be open to what God wants to do. Here's the first key. How can you do this, remaining open to him and living abundantly in 2019? By keeping your heart open. So you can grow through his word. Look at verse 27. It says, In beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the what? The scriptures. If you look at verse 32, this is their reflection, and they're telling the 11 what had happened. They found the 11 and those assembled together, and he told them about what had unfolded, right? And he said, it asked each other, our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the what? The scriptures to us by keeping your heart open so you can grow through his word. Can you imagine the personal Bible study Cleopas and his friend had with Jesus? I mean, I've been to some great Bible studies, but I don't think there's any Bible study I've ever been to where I could imagine what it would be like when it's you and a good friend of yours and it's just Jesus and he's the one walking you through the scriptures. Can you imagine what that had to be like? Walking him through the Old Testament. Walking him through all the prophecies. The scriptures. That it was alive and all that had happened. It's most likely that he spent most of his time when it came to the prophets focusing on the book of Isaiah. Why do I say that? Two reasons. The most prophecies in the book of Isaiah point to Christ. They point to Christ. And the second is this. Isaiah is the most quoted prophet in the New Testament. That's why I hold the idea that they probably were talking a lot about that when Jesus walked them through that. Which reminds me, you might have this in your bulletin. It's called Personal Time with God. And guess what book we're in? It's in Isaiah. We're going through Isaiah, the same book that Jesus probably went through with them on that road. And Jesus right now wants to go through you, with you, on the journey through 2019, at least at this point in Isaiah 47 through 49 this week. I love going through this. I don't always understand everything that Isaiah is saying, and I have to go back and read it again and read Pastor Matt's questions and try and grasp what it is. But it's there for us. If you want abundant living, there's a discipline. There's a common theme that needs to be in your life, and that's keeping your heart open so you can grow through God's word. That's what these guys did. Here's the second key to live abundantly by keeping your eyes open so you can see what he is doing. By keeping your eyes open so you can see what he's doing. Notice in verse 16, it says this. But they were kept from recognizing. So at this point, they can't see that it's Jesus in front of them. And then look at verse 31 in the contrast. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Uh, Keeping your eyes open so you can see what he is doing. 
I won't make you raise your hands, but um, I'm guessing that nobody would raise their hand to, has anybody never played hide and seek before? Right? We've all played hide and seek, at least peekaboo with maybe a grandbaby, a grandchild, somebody at some point. We've all done that, right? Can I submit to you that we serve a God who, in essence, plays hide and seek with us? We see it here. He's not allowing them to be seen. And then he is allowing himself to be seen. In other words, guys, what are you really looking for? What are your eyes open to? What are you really wanting to see? Are you wanting to see what I'm doing? Are you wanting to see what I'm up to? This is something that God will do with you so you will draw closer to him in that journey, in that relationship. That's why I like our life groups. As we meet together in a life group, we start in a couple weeks, is that opportunity to gather together on a weekly basis and just, oh, I see what God's doing in your life. And then they see what God's doing in your life. It's that opportunity, or maybe it's serving in a ministry. You're seeing and serving, and you're seeing what God is doing in the lives of those you serve. Oh, then you also recognize how God, good God is, and he allows you to see what he's doing in you as you serve. Both allow you to see what God is doing in others and in you by keeping your eyes open. That's the abundant life that we can have in 2019. Here's a third key I see from Cleopas and his friend about remaining open to him and living abundantly in 2019 by keeping your mind open so you can learn his perspective. By keeping your mind open so you can learn God's perspective. If you look back at verse 27, and beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them, this is Jesus, what the scripture said concerning himself, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, verse 29, stay with us. For it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. And so he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to give to them. This takes us back to the scriptures. This takes us back to the scriptures. The scriptures are the protein in the diet of an abundant living. Notice it says in verse 28 here. Notice that it says Jesus acted as if he were going further. Why does it say that? Why was he doing that? Why was he acting as though he's going further? Because the cultural norm of that day was like the cultural norm of today. You don't necessarily invite yourself over to someone's house uninvited. Same culture of that day. So that was the first part. But I think there was something else going on here. I think there was a test going on. They don't recognize him completely yet. But man, they've heard an amazing Bible study. And it's at this point, Jesus is pretending to go on, but notice what their desire is. Stay with us. We want to learn more of what you have to say. We need to learn your perspective, how you look at life, how you look at my trials, how you look at my moments of celebration. God, what's your perspective on that? What does your word tell me? What is it you're trying to say that I could grasp and learn? I sense that there's this desire here. It's a test for them to see, hey, what are you really seeking most? Is your mind open to learning more about me? Friends, this is why I come back 
If you're a third time guest today, this is what you're going to get in your gift bag. It's God's promises and answers for your life. Uh, I wake up every morning with one of my apps on my phone, and it's a Bible promise. Today was from Peter. It talked about to cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Promise. Because there's days that are going to come as you go through 2019 that might be difficult, that that thief is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. I need to have his perspective about that. I need to be in God's word. I need to have that promise to help me look at it and go, oh, that's the abundant living you're talking about, Lord, that I need to have. If you want one of these, you can pretend that you're a third-time guest today and help yourself. If not, and you want one, let me know, and I will get you one. Last key is this. In abundant living in 2019, how do we do this? By keeping your mouth open. By keeping your mouth open so you can share his story. Look at verse 33 to 35. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. These guys aren't wasting any time. They found the 11 and those with them and assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then they go on to tell him about this. It's interesting to look at this last point here. Culturally, it was not the norm to walk at night. So they're doing something that's not as comfortable as we might expect to have in the daytime. Other part of this is that it wasn't necessarily safe to walk at night on a road seven miles back down to Jerusalem. But Cleos and his friend had a story they had to get out. They had to tell. What was their story? Again, it's true. Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen. It's like he said it would happen. It's happened. And as I look at them, I am sensing that they could not keep their mouth shut about Jesus. They've been talking about him on the way. They talked with him along the way and while he was at their house. And then they went back to Jerusalem to tell people more about Jesus, to share his story. That's why in our church we have this word oikos. You might be at the grocery store and see the yogurt and go, is that what Pastor Mike's talking about all the time? No. Oikos is simply a Greek word to mean relational world. Family, friends, neighbors, whoever you work with, those people in your oikos. We have a card in the back called our five for five card. These are opportunities for us to open our mouth in an abundant way to share his story with others. Like it was for these guys at night, it may not be as safe as you'd like it to be. It may not be as comfortable as you would like it to be. But God has told us to go and do this, to share his story, to share your story, to share God's story. As I thought about this, and I think about going through 2019, I sense that there could be some difficult days ahead. And so when I write down these points of being open with my heart to God's word and my eyes open to see what he's doing and my mind open to get his perspective, my mouth open to share his story, it might get difficult through 2019 to keep it open. It's kind of like it was on that trip that I was with Jim on that night going to Mammoth. We come in, and now it's about 5.36 in the morning. He's a sound asleep. It's my turn to be driving. And for the first time in my entire life driving, I recognized what I'd heard about with other people. That vulnerability of falling asleep at the wheel. I'd never encountered that before. 
And as I'm driving, all of a sudden, my head jerks. I'm like, oh, well, did something hit the car? Like, what's going on here? It happened again, and I realized, oh, oh, my goodness. I'm almost falling asleep. Where's some gum? Where's something to turn on the radio? Hopefully it doesn't wake him up. In the same way, it might be difficult to keep your eyes open, to keep your heart open, to keep your mind open, to keep your mouth open as you're driving along through 2019 because the thief is coming to steal, kill, and destroy you. He's like, yeah, close it all down. And then the next thing happened. It was, I'm embarrassed a little bit to admit, but it is the fact of life for me on that night, that morning. On the horizon, on the mountain, I see a little bit of illumination starting. And I thought, man, I don't think mammoths should be that bright. We're quite a ways away from it. Driving, trying to stay awake, chewing gum a little bit more, maybe two pieces help. We get a little bit closer, and I'm going, well, man, I don't feel like I'm getting closer to it, but it keeps getting brighter and brighter and brighter. It's beginning to illuminate. And for some odd, goofy reason, I forgot that the sun would be coming up. As goofy as that sounds, that's what had happened. And then it hit me. I'm like, oh, that's the sun. Oh, that's right. The sun's going to be, oh, I'm going to see the sun come up. I share that with you about that journey as well because there's going to be some things that you would think, how could you forget that? Let me close it with this. Some reminders as you pursue abundant life in 2019. Remember, life is all about his glory. It's all about his glory. Life is not about you. It's all about him. When he worked through the scriptures, he pointed to the scriptures that were about him. Whatever the journey is, whatever the abundant life you get to live, it's ultimately for his glory, not your own. He wants you to enjoy it, but it's ultimately for his glory. Second reminder that we might forget like the sunset coming up is that this, Christ is all you need. Christ is all you need. 2019 may be a challenging year for you. It might be difficult to remain open to him through the trials you endure. That thief might come along and seem to want to steal your joy, kill your hope, and destroy your faith. Paul said, I knew that, and I learned that God's grace was sufficient for me. When the basic necessities were missing or it seemed like they were going out, Paul learned that I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, should you come to that place where it appears Christ is all you have, I remind you that Christ, for his honor and his glory, will be more than abundant for all you need. Lord, I pray that you would help us to remain open to you, your word, what you're doing, what you want us to learn about you and your perspective, that, Lord, we would share and stay open to sharing about you. God, we need your help. We need your strength through this. Lord, that you would help us throughout 2019, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.